Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Wednesday afternoon here with a quick episode on my recent trip to the Grand Canyon, hiking rim to rim to rim, which uh, not the easiest thing uh, to be done for sure. And I'm going to kind of dig into more details of that and kind of share with you guys if you're interested in ever visiting the Grand Canyon, doing that specific hike or some of the smaller ones that we've done before in the past or any type of endurance training and you guys are looking to prepare in terms of training, mobility, rest, recovery, nutrition for sure, and kind of everything wrapped up into something that goes into something at this scale uh, in terms of physical activity. So I'm on a lav mic right now, so if it sounds a little bit different, I apologize. My uh, my next door neighbor here, uh, business-wise, is doing some, some crazy construction work, so I didn't want to really, really mic it up because you guys will hear everything. So uh, with that said, the Grand Canyon, obviously, hopefully you guys are familiar. It's in, located in Arizona, uh, which is a state that I live in. If you guys are not familiar, now you know. Um, I'm assuming most of you guys know a lot of the stuff about the Grand Canyon, but a lot of these little facts I'm going to spit off here in my show notes, I didn't even know uh, until literally we we're you know getting into it. And you, just, you, know, you're, you wonder what you're walking into when you're in terms of you know how far are we going to go, how are we going to hike, how are we going to get there, what are we going to eat, what elements, what animals, things like that do we have to be you know, aware of or, you know, scared of, if you will. And uh, my wife and I have hiked parts of the Grand Canyon before. Uh, like, not in, nothing is, is close to, to this big of a scale. Now, here we've done the highest, uh, you know, peak in Arizona uh, is, is Mount Humphreys, which we've we have done that before, and that is a challenging hike. We've done parts of the Grand Canyon before. We've done uh, Havasupai, which is a section kind of of the Grand Canyon, where um, if you guys don't know what that is, Google Havasupai Grand Canyon, you'll see all the waterfalls it's one of the most amazing, beautiful things you'll see, and the, the water is so crystal clear and so blue. It looks like, honestly, it's it's a bigger scale than even like Hawaii. And I've been to Hawaii multiple times. Uh, these are some of the most impressive waterfalls I've ever seen, and I've been you know blessed to be able to travel all around the world. Um, and we have some of the, the most beautiful falls in the bottom of the Grand Canyon in Arizona, which really is uh, it's mind blowing when you think about it. So, but with that. Um, just some quick facts about the Grand Canyon, just so you guys get an idea. If you're not familiar, obviously hop on Google right now and look at it and be like, holy shit. Um, yeah, this is a, it's, it's, it's a pretty massive thing. The fact that you hike that is crazy. And the fact that people do it, it, it really is just mind-blowing to me. And I never thought it was something that I would do, but I'll dig into that uh, in a second. But the Grand Canyon National Park, you guys, is bigger than the entire state of Rhode Island. The Grand Canyon National Park itself is bigger than the entire state of Rhode Island. The park... Um, it comes to about you know 1,904 square miles, where Rhode Island is around 1,200 square miles, and in some places the canyon itself is over a mile deep and 10 miles across. So it's it's pretty insane like how massive this canyon is that's just sitting here in, in Arizona that we have access to. Um, and the temperatures obviously in the Grand Canyon can vary greatly, which I'll talk about on my trip. The rim of the Grand Canyon to its lowest point, the temperatures can change more than 25 degrees. Uh, and the depths of the gorge, obviously, uh, you know, towards the bottom level get really hot in the summertime, probably similar to Scottsdale and Phoenix here, while the north rim is often, you know, below freezing in the wintertime. So be, because of elevation change and, and how everything is laid out, it does, uh, it does shift and it, and it shifts very fast. And I was, uh, I was present uh, for that uh, definitely this weekend. The canyon has about a uh, thousand caves, they estimate, give or take. Um, but only 335 have been officially like recorded. But the, you know, obviously, it's it's so big and massive. There's still a lot of stuff that you know we don't even know about it. And there's only one uh, cave that's you know quote unquote open uh, to the public. But a lot of really cool, unique uh, things to see when you're there. It's, it's literally just um, it's amazing. Uh, next thing on my list here, what do I got? 
the most dangerous animal in the Grand Canyon is actually a rock squirrel, believe it or not. Um, they have Gila monsters, bighorn sheep live there, um, but visitors are most often bit by the rock squirrel. Um, I don't know if we saw one of those at all. I know I like literally like obviously like a lot of, you know, little lizards like geckos, bats, obviously because we were hiking at night too. Um, I saw some couple eyes up top, maybe like an owl or something. I'm not sure, uh, but yeah, there definitely is. Um, you're out in the wilderness for sure. You are out in, uh, in the wild. Uh, next one. Uh, it's been long believed that the Colorado River started carving out the Grand Canyon like six million years ago. But recent studies that these guys have pulled up has shown that the process actually started about 70 million years ago, which is insane to me. So the canyon has been around for a very long time. Um, and again, like I mentioned before, like Havasupai is actually like the Supai village is, is in a, like a little section that they have kind of their own of the Grand Canyon. Um, and it's actually the most remote community in the continental United States. So there, this, is, this is the most remote town in all of America. And uh, we hiked down there a couple years back and it's about 200 people live there. And it really blows your mind that, like, you're hiking for hours and hours and hours. You're seeing nobody. There's no sound. There's no noise. There's nothing. No, there, you don't see any electricity lines. There's no, your cell phone doesn't work. And all of a sudden, you show up, and they have, like, a school, a little store, and people live uh, in there. It, it really is uh, mind-blowing to see that. Um, outside of that, uh, you know, obviously, the, the air quality uh, in the Grand Canyon is some of the cleanest air in the United States with the elevation of the South Rim sitting at about, you know, 7,000 feet above sea level. So it's like, you know, literally take a breath and enjoy because I don't think a lot of us get to, you know, breathe air and see things that are that clean and that untouched um, as it still is today. And people do a really good job of taking care of it, which is pretty um, pretty amazing to see. So uh, really fast, you guys, my experience and adventure, uh, long story short, I got a guy here, his name's Brent Orm, dude's a gangster. Uh, Brent's like 50 comes in, crushes the workouts, super hardworking. Him and his wife, uh, both been part of our community for you know probably the last five or six years. And uh, he has asked me to do this hike, I would say at least for the last probably probably four or five years in a row. And uh, I either have like a you know travel stuff going on or work stuff going on, or uh, admittedly, I probably just didn't want to do it because I, I knew what I was, partially I knew what I was getting into. And so this year, just you know, kind of perfect storm worked out. I was free, my wife was free. Uh, we took our good friends, uh, Jeff and Emily, who are both athletes here at Jeremy Scott Fitness. So people who are very fit and who aren't going to complain and, and I knew would be able to make the trek and the journey with us. And that's the key, you guys, with anything like this, any of these, you know, adventures or hikes, whether it's hiking or rafting or, you know, anything you're doing endurance-wise with people, make sure you get people who are similar to you, um, who don't whine, who don't bitch, who don't complain, who are just, you know, literally just shut their mouth and just move and just go. Um, I think that's probably the biggest key. And if you're going to all bitch, you're going to do it all, you know, together in unison and do it in like a half, you know, jokingly way because you're not really complaining because it's it's something you chose to do. And I had to remind myself of that a handful of times um, as I was gutting through this. And I'm like, man, you chose to do this. You walked your ass down up in this canyon, you're going to walk your ass up out of there. And so I probably said it to myself about 50 times uh, at, at certain moments uh, throughout this journey. So uh, Brent and his wife organized this. Amazing. Um, without them, we surely would probably have died or at least really, really struggled and been uh, been in a world of hurt uh, physically and mentally, probably even emotionally and, and spiritually, if, uh, if I'm being honest. So they organized everything, you know, basically told us, here's what to bring, here's what to pack, here's what you do. And uh, so we had everything obviously set uh, and, and that was super helpful just because I'll explain how this went. We went up there. Uh, slept, uh, you know, Thursday night uh, on the south rim there. 
got up uh, Friday at about three in the morning is when we woke up, which is even for me, that's early. And uh, you're kind of jacked. You have a little bit of adrenaline. So you're like, ah, oh, you know what? I, I can make this happen. And uh, we get all our stuff on. You know, my, my backpack is packed with a camel pack, 100 ounces of water, electrolytes, a lot of food in there, um, which I'll touch on a little bit in a second. Uh, I have, you know, uh, compression pants on, uh, compression shirt. I have a hoodie on. I have shorts. I have socks on my feet, special socks uh, for the hike, socks in my bag. Um, and then all the food and the things I need, clear glasses. There's a lot of things that go into this. Um, I have my poles. There's a lot of stuff you need. You can't just, you know, put a backpack in with a, a little bit of beef jerky and some trail mix and say, hey, I'm going to go hike, you know, rim to rim. Um, I don't think that'd be wise or safe for many of you guys. So we have everything kind of packed in detail. We start hiking um, at about 345-ish in the morning, uh, and we're just on our way. And I'll say this. If you guys are going to do the Grand Canyon hike, having some hiking poles and knowing how to use them I think is crucial, not only for uh, the uphill battles, which those become really gnarly really fast, but for the, the descending, uh, the deceleration, especially when you guys are coming downhill, because uh, we tend to let our bodies you know, get going anywhere real quick, which is fine, but there's so much impact on the ankles, uh, the knees, and the hips that uh, we pay a price for, even if we don't realize it when we're in it, you know, an hour, two hours goes by, and you're like, wow, my stuff's already kind of you know, becoming swollen, or it's tight, or it's sore, and that's when you kind of know you're, you're in trouble. So I'd say um, having a legit backpack, having a camel pack full of water with electrolytes, uh, having poles, knowing the water stops uh, is crucial. So we basically start down on the hike at about, you know, just before four in the morning. We're hiking in the dark. And again, something I didn't really think of, um, Brent had given us these clear glasses to put on. And I'm like, well, what are these for? He's like, well, because when the wind kicks up, it's going to be real fast. You don't really think about it. You're on the top of this uh, canyon, you know, 7,000 feet above sea level, and the, the wind is whipping. And I'll say they came in handy just because of the fact of, you know, hiking down the Grand Canyon with like these squinty eyes and you can't really see. As soon as you put these clear glasses on, it's like it's night and day. And uh, obviously we had headlamps on as well because at four in the morning it's pitch black. It's, it's not light out at all. And we're just hiking by, you know, headlamp light essentially, uh, kind of all as, as a little group as we started out. And we pretty quickly disperse amongst ourselves and kind of separate. And uh, we're just kind of on our way, you know, taking pictures and videos uh, along the journey. And I'll say this, I... I've done other hikes before where it's like, you know, uphill, flat, and downhill. This one, it's so big and it's so grand, you don't really realize it until you slow down. And you're like, holy shit, um, off to the side of me is, about, is like a 1,000-foot drop. Uh, it's a 500-foot drop. It's a 200-foot drop. It's, um, you're constantly kind of on a, you know, little ledges and cliffs and uh, switchbacks and different things. And uh, you don't really realize it when you're there. Um, and I thought, I thought about that a couple of times as I started fatigue, like later, later on in the hike, like, man, if I take a, a couple of wrong steps here, things can go, uh, drastically wrong for me pretty fast. So we hiked along our way, you know, stop for water, stop for food, uh, and eat here or there. And I think that's the biggest key. You guys, you have to eat properly for, for a hike like this, or for something that's, you know, over six, seven, eight, nine, um, for us to do South room to North room took us just over about 10 hours about 10 hours and probably 20, 30 minutes, give or take, so about 10 and a half hours total. Um, eating the day before is crucial. Um, I'll share what I did, and then obviously having stuff with you. And you guys are like, well, what did you pack in your backpack? Um, for us, things that are easy and sustainable. Beef jerky, um, obviously for the protein and, and the salt of it, for sure, um, because you need a sodium-potassium balance. Um, a, t a ton of water, obviously. Um, electrolyte tabs. I also took uh, Ezekiel muffins, which are amazing, the cinnamon raisin, if you guys dig Ezekiel products. And again, we never eat stuff like that generally, but I'm used to it, you know, from growing up on that stuff. Um, 
and my body's familiar with it. I think that's the key is, is eating, trying to eat things that agree with your body and that you are somewhat used to and not doing things that are completely foreign so you end up like being sick as shit uh, halfway through, which might happen regardless either way depending on exhaustion and exertion level. But we had a couple of Ezekiel muffins in our backpacks, a couple for me, a couple for my wife, put some peanut butter on those, uh, brought some bananas as well, brought some RX bars, which we're familiar with eating, uh, some chia bars as well, which we're used to, some of the Justin's almond butter packets. Uh, I also brought a little bit of trail mix as well, just to have some on hand because it is super calorie dense. Um, also, I, I did pick up some of those little Gatorade chews. Um, they're like the little squares. They're basically just pure carbohydrates. Um, I think the mix of like sugar and dextrose and everything kind of packed together uh, for some instant bursts of energy, especially when your glycogen becomes depleted. I packed a bunch of those in my bag as well. I'm trying to think of anything else um, I had in there off the top. That's probably it. Uh, but again, I had probably like, you know, three RX bars in there, three chia bars in there, four Ezekiel muffins, uh, bananas, the beef jerky. And then obviously we're traveling with other people. So they have stuff if we need it as well to kind of trade off one another, which I think is key um, being with other people who are diligent and, and you know, pack things correctly and are smart about it. So we would stop and eat uh, kind of throughout basically just to make sure uh, you have enough energy and enough fuel to keep your body going. And, and there's probably one or two times I stopped on the south to north rim, our first trek of it, um, typically on the, the incline where I had to uh, stop and eat food just because I could feel my body was becoming depleted. And that's, this is one of the rare instances in life, you guys, where I've really realized that in my adult life, like how how powerful food is, not for, for how you look and recovery, but for literally for performance. Like how if you are not eating correctly and you're not hydrated, your body is fucked. Um, you can't perform, you can't move. It, it really just, it hinders you and you really start to understand the importance of nutrition for how it does give you energy and it does give you fuel and it keeps your body moving and doing what it needs to do to complete a task, which that's what this is. It's just, you're trying to basically from point A to point B as quickly and as safely as you can, obviously with having fun along the way with taking pictures and doing things like that. So um, long story short, as we're hiking through the flat part of it, you get you know towards the end, probably the last you know five miles or so, or maybe six, seven miles, takes you probably five or six hours. Um, a bulk of the hike you can get done up front, but on the, when you're going from south to north in the north rim, um, that incline is real. I don't know if it's 20%, 25%, 30%, but it's like, it's it's worse than any treadmill incline I've ever been on in my life. And obviously you have a backpack on and you have poles, um, a lot of switchbacks. Uh, the biggest thing with that is like, it's uh, it climbs pretty quick. It's a lot of switchbacks. Um, it's basically up, 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 nonstop. And there's this one section where you're going up and up and up and you're like, oh my God, finally we're gonna get there. And then it shit takes you right back down and you meet this bridge. If you guys ever get there, you'll know what I'm talking about. And then you see this bridge and you're like, what the fuck, man? Because your body's already spent and you're already beat. And like after that bridge, then it's, you know, all the way up, dude, just straight up, just nonstop climbing the entire time where we would get to the point of where uh, we would, you know, go for a handful of minutes, maybe take a minute or two and chill, go for a handful of minutes, take a minute or two just to chill, uh, catch your breath, maybe grab some food if you need to. I stopped twice. Uh, in that section just to grab food probably, you know, about an hour and a half apart from each other because I could feel my body becoming depleted um, of, you know, resources or rather quickly. And that's kind of the point where we all in our group separate a little bit. You know, myself, uh, Emily and Jeff who came with us were kind of getting, my wife kind of went on her own way. She just got, you know, she got super excited and super jacked. So she finished before everybody else. Then those guys, and then I'm obviously pulling up, uh, pulling up the rear and people are like, well, Jeremy, you're not the fastest hiker in the world. I'm like, well, Here's the reality, you guys. I'm six foot two. I'm about 215, 220 pounds. 
Um, I'm not really your traditional hiker. Uh, I'm happy to do it. I like doing it. It's fun. I'm down to do anything one time. But it's my wife is much better. It's much easier for her to go hiking at 135 pounds, you know, than it is for me to go hiking at you know 220 pounds. It's just the reality, or whatever she weighs. Um, it, that's that's the truth. And the same thing, like in those instances, if you are lighter, it's to your benefit. You know, like a person who's well over 200 pounds probably isn't going to be the world record holder at hiking the Grand Canyon or doing any type of endurance stuff. That's why like in triathlons, if you're over two bills, they call it the Clydesdale division. Basically, they're saying, hey, here's the fat boy division. This is what you're in, Jeremy. So um, it takes a lot of energy and a lot of oxygen um, for my body to move for that long uh, through time. And naturally, I'm a sprinter. I'm not a marathon race runner. I, I generally, I'm a fast twitch muscle person not a slow twitch. So it's not, uh, it doesn't play to my strengths, if you will. Now, if we're having a deadlifting contest out there, then, then sure, we can talk about that. But um, that's kind of how we did it and finished. And the crazy thing was, you start off in the morning and you're hiking in full compressions um, with your stuff on. And then towards you get the bottom, you get hot. We strip down, then I'm in shorts and basically a tank top the entire time on the bottom. And as we're climbing up the north rim, I actually had to change back and, and put my you know cold weather clothes on because as we got towards the top, it was snowing. Um, at the top of the Grand Canyon uh, on Friday uh, afternoon, which is crazy to me. So think about this. It's sunny at the bottom as you're hiking in shorts and a tank top. And as you're going up this incline, it starts to snow and the temperature shifts drastically and probably drops 20, 25, maybe even 30 degrees uh, from the bottom, which is hits you in the face because you're sweaty. You know you guys when you're, like, when you're super sweaty and all of a sudden like you get a cool breeze that comes by and the sun goes away? That's what you're feeling and you start, you're freezing your ass off all of a sudden. So... Uh, that definitely is a shift too. And the biggest thing with it, especially the first time you do it, it's a mental game. Um, and I think that's everything. It's like you you don't really know where the top is because you can't really see it. And you might think you've hit the top like 15 different times, which is really demoralizing, by the way, when you think you're done and you're not done. And you think you're done and you're not done. And you think you're done and it just keeps going and going and going. And it, it literally is, um, it messes with you mentally. So having a you know, a mile tracker, like maybe all trails or having like a watch on, which I have my polar just to see, you know, the time wise, how much time we had left and we're going to at least have some semblance of, uh, of reality. But man, it definitely was, uh, it's eye opening for sure. And it is, uh, it's a humbling experience uh, as you go up there and, uh, we finished it. Body was sore, uh, kind of beat down and tight. Remember we went, uh, we stayed in these little cabins just, just one night and, uh, we're in these cabins before we're going to go to dinner. And, uh, we're in the cabin. Once we get the hike done, they come pick us up, just drop us off at the lodge, which is super cool. Um, we're all kind of excited. I lay down and my body's just beat, dude. I mean, you realize once you stop moving how smoked you are. And I remember laying in bed and I'm like, Heather, I'm like, I don't even want to walk like to dinner. Like I don't even, and it's probably like, I'm talking 200 yards, you guys. I'm like, I don't even want to walk to dinner here. But we got it up, you know, did it sitting at dinner and you're you're supposed to be starving and, and I was hungry but I just didn't feel good you know like when you're so exhausted when you're so beat you just don't feel amazing um, but we ate dinner anyway um, hung out had a good time had, had some laughs and went back um, I crashed as best I could and I remember waking up Saturday morning at about you know four o'clock in the morning like my normal time because my body is just it's I'm a machine at this point and I'm like I can't really move my right leg like it's so stiff and, and so swollen and I'm like, because my, from my calves, you know, from the bottom of my foot all the way to my hamstring attachment, it's just so tight and so stiff. And I'm like, I'm almost having like anxiety now and I can't really get back to sleep. So I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, I can't move my right leg. I'm like, how am I going to hike back? 
the entire fucking Grand Canyon, and I can't bend my leg. And I'm like, oh, I'll go to sleep. It'll, I'll wake up. It'll, you know, it'll be better. You know, in in two hours or something. So I lay there for a little bit, and I remember my wife finally gets up. I stand up. I look. I go, Heather. I'm like, I, I can't bend my fucking leg. I'm like, I literally cannot move my leg right now. I'm like, I have no clue how we're gonna hike back. You know, tomorrow. You know, over the Grand Canyon. Like, I just don't see how it's possible. I'm like, but maybe if I foam roll, you know, I rest, I can sleep on another night, it'll be okay. Because our, our plan was hike over Friday, you know, chill Friday night, chill all the Saturday there, enjoy the North Rim, which is beautiful, by the way, great scenery, it's amazing to see, I would urge anybody to go do it, it should be on your bucket list. And uh, we'll hang out, you know, all day Saturday, it'll be nice, because Friday we were tired, I couldn't really enjoy it, so Saturday we'll hang out all day, it'll be great, maybe have a couple beers, just chill, be a normal person for once, have a nice dinner, hang out with these guys, wake up in the morning and then hike back. And so as I'm hobbling over to, you know, breakfast, lunchtime, about, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning, we're sitting there and uh, Brant comes over who uh, basically organized the entire thing for us. And he's like, hey, just so you guys know, the weather forecast for Sunday is supposed to be like 26 degrees and snow and rain and windy as hell up to like, you know, 30, 35 mile an hour winds. And he's telling me that and I'm like, well, this all of a sudden sounds like the worst case fucking scenario ever. My leg doesn't work. It's it's super tight. My whole body is beat. And now you're telling me it's going to snow and it's going to rain and the winds are going to blow me off the side of this uh, canyon here. And he's like, well, you know, it's up to you guys. You know, every, he's basically just sharing the story. Every year there's something different. Some years it's 100 plus degrees. Some years it's rain and sleet and snow and freezing. You know, there's there's a multitude of things and that's nature and that's kind of the, you know, the, the beast that you're battling, if you will, when you do something like this. And we sat there as a table um, and chatted about it and talked about it. And we decided instead of staying another night, because I figured, hey, it's 11 o'clock in the morning. How much is my body really going to heal in the next 15 hours? Um, the reality is it's not. It's stiff. It's tight. It's sore from overuse. Um, it's just not used to it for whatever reason. Uh, my right calf and right hamstring got so pissed off, it causes this referred you know, uh, pain behind my knee. That's not going to go away uh, in 24 hours, and I know that. And so we talk at the table amongst ourselves, and we're like, well, instead of hiking tomorrow in the snow and the rain, it was a beautiful day on Saturday. I mean, beautiful sunshine, weather was like probably 65 degrees. Couldn't ask for a better day in all reality. We're like, well, fuck it, let's not wait then. Let's just, let's, you know, cancel a night, and let's literally just leave at like 3.30 this afternoon. And we'll just hike through the night, and we'll finish, you know, sometime around, you know, 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, um, hiking in the dark in the Grand Canyon. And I'm like, well... That doesn't seem ideal to me either, hiking when it's pitch black, but hiking when it's 65 degrees and sunny at least for probably five or six hours of it um, definitely seems better to me than being in the snow and the rain. So uh, we decided to um, you know, go back to our rooms after we ate, foam roll heavy on my legs, stretch them out, rub some like you know secret Bengay cream on them, uh, rub some you know CBD uh, that work with the guys from Beam. I took their CBD stuff for inflammation. I did that the night before as well. I rub that on my legs, so I'm like massaging it through. I'm like chugging athletic greens uh, as I'm going through this. I'm like anything I can do for energy uh, to heal and to recover. And uh, you know, eating a couple of Ezekiel muffins. You know, trying to get my body uh, as best I can. And long story short, we had him uh, drop us off at uh, at about 3:30 uh, on the North Rim to make our trek back down uh, to the other side of the Grand Canyon again. So. We basically slept and rested for all of, I don't know, maybe 15, 16 hours total. And then we're just right back on the trail again just for, you know, to beat the weather. You guys, and I, I think it was the right decision. Uh, a much more memorable experience for us. Um, it was great. 
um, hiking back, I will say this. If you're going to ever hike rim to rim and you want the easier option of the two, in my humble opinion, I believe starting at the north rim and hiking to the south rim is much, much easier than hiking from the south rim to the north rim. Now, for us, we went from south to north and then north back to south again. So rim to rim to rim because obviously our car and vehicle was stuck over there. Um, and we did it a little bit faster than we had planned initially. So as we're going back on Saturday, the weather's perfect, it's great, it's awesome. Um, seeing a bunch of people, we're flying downhill, it's amazing. And we get to this place called the Phantom Ranch, which is kind of like you know the last stop before you uh, kind of hike up. And at that point, we've been hiking in the dark for probably an hour, an hour and a half or so, with just headlamps on in the middle of the night. Um, bugs and a few different things along the way, but you're hiking along uh, the Colorado River there, which is pretty amazing. Um, to kind of hear it and see it uh, and be next to it the, the whole way. This is a pretty unique, cool experience. And just hiking in nature um, in, in the pitch black at that kind of stage in time is a pretty cool experience too. Something I never thought I was going to do. Um, among, you know, obviously when you see it in the daytime, it's, you know, from the north room. It, it literally is, you guys, something to be seen and something that uh, most of you guys, if you're there, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's, it's, a, it's a very beautiful, uh, serene place. But, but the nighttime stuff is really awesome as well. So, we get down there, we're hiking through, we're hiking through the dark, um, and we get close to the finish. I say we're about 25 miles in at this point. Now each each way I think, I think this total trick for us was about 40, it was at 48.7 miles, give or take. So about 50 miles we covered um, of the Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim, that's what it is. Now nobody knows specifically, obviously, we all of us take a little bit different path each way depending on what route we take. But uh, as we're going back, we make it almost the whole way. And remember there's a sign um, and we took this trail up called Bright Angel, and uh, that we took uh, this trail called South Kaibab on the way down on the south side, and then Bright Angel on the way up, which is less of an incline, but I think it's like three miles longer. So, which I thought sound I thought it sounded better up front, um, you know. Who knows? In a reality, that's that's what we took, and that's that's you know the bed that we made, and we're lying in it. And uh, there's a sign that says 4.5 miles until the top. And I'm like, well, shoot, dude, we're flying, man. I feel great. And I felt awesome up until that point. I felt amazing. And then that last 4.5 miles felt like it took us 4.5 years. Uh, it really did, man. That's that's probably the only time during this where it really was a test uh, way more mentally than even physically for me. Now, at this point, I'm feeling good. But probably about a mile into that, um, I started to hit a brick wall pretty fast. Now, my right leg is super tight. I'm um, starting to cramp up, so basically I'm on like a, a really good left leg and my two hiking poles, and that's what's kind of trugging me through here, and I'm very mindful of each step I'm taking just because with every step of the right leg, it's, it, it is painful. I'm starting to feel the referred pain behind the knee. It's starting to really stiffen up and tighten up, so I'm doing anything I can to kind of stretch it, move it through space, but it's just not, uh, it's not cooperating, and you guys, fatigue, you know, as they say, makes cowards of us all. It really does. Fatigue makes cowards of everybody. And it's really a battle of a mental attrition. Um, can you see it through? And, and whatever, what can you do to keep your mind going? And on a side note here, my wife, Jeff, Emily, all have headphones in, music playing, podcasts, whatever, and I have nothing. Um, and it's a, I take it from like a David Goggins quote. He would always say like, you know, in, in the real world, you don't have music, you don't have your iPod, you have nothing, so you should train that way. And uh, for me, honestly, I, I didn't do it for that, even though it's, it's a nice excuse to throw out there like I'm a super badass. Um, I literally just did because my entire day, you guys, is typically full of listening to audiobooks and podcasts, and we have music in here all the time. There's always people in here, so there's very little time in my life, and my wife knows this, where I can just wake up and there's silence for more than 20 minutes. 
There just isn't. Like there hasn't been a day in the last 10 or 11 years where I've woken up out of bed and not checked email, checked my phone, um, and had to go to a, an appointment or a speaking engagement or to work. It's just that that's the, the busyness of my life and I love it and I wouldn't trade it for the world. But I don't get to do what a lot of normal people get to do. And I'm not don't feel bad for me, I'm not complaining about that, but I just don't. My life is so different from the average person's now just because of um, how productive I am and how efficient I am and how much shit I feel I need to get done, I want to get done, and I have to get done. I don't get any like normal quiet time or any soulless time. And so that was my time for me, you know, where I can just kind of unplug in, from the world. And so um, it's just you and your thoughts, which for me, man, is a crazy fucking place to be sometimes. And so um, that's how I went through this entire trip with no headphones, no music, no nothing. Even when we got separated, it's just me um, out there listening to nature and just kind of being able to think and um, just in, in be mindful, really just be mindful of the experience of where I am, you know, how it feels, how it smells, how it sounds, and just really taking it all in and not having it clouded by, um, you know, Tupac or a Dave Ramsey podcast or whatever I would be listening to. So that was how I'm going up this, even in the middle of the night. And uh, I thought I was making good progress, even though I'm getting tired and fatigued. And this is where I say nutrition really comes into play. During that last probably four miles or so, um, I probably crushed about 250 carbohydrates alone because I could really feel my body becoming depleted and tired and really run down. Like I'm like literally like fucking ragdolling at you guys. Like imagine like your grandma like in a walker. There was probably two or three instances in there when I, my body's just dying, and that's kind of how I'm gutting through it because I really just don't have much energy uh, left in my system. And obviously, you take into account like. You're eating things that aren't, you know, really normal. So between the trail mix and the electrolytes, like your stomach starts to feel a little bit funky, which really you know, fucks with your brain. Your leg is hurting. You probably get a blister or two on your hand or your fingers. And so it's like you just started really becoming, you know, run down by the whole experience. And uh, at that point, at probably at about midnight on Sunday, I was completely fucking over it. I'm like, just get me the fuck out of here. And all I kept saying to myself was like, well, Jeremy, you walked your ass down up in this canyon. You're going to have to walk your ass out. Nobody's going to come save your big ass. And so I'm just trugging along little by little. And when I feel like I'm almost done, because it's dark and I can't really see, and I can see my wife ahead of me, and I can see Jeff and Emily's headlamps pretty close by, and I'm like, okay, cool. They're going to get close too. So we're, all, we're probably almost done, about 20 minutes. And I remember the minute when I knew I was fucked. <laughs> and I say that jokingly. Um, the most demoralizing moment for me of the journey was I'm coming around this corner at about midnight, and I see this guy laying on the side of the trail, um, like asleep, like, like he looks like he's sleeping, and I'm coming up to him, and he just makes a comment, he's like, hey man, don't worry about me, I'm just catching a nap, and he says that, and I see him like, all right, bro, peace, and I just keep on moving, and I probably make another 100 yards, and I think to myself, I'm like, I think we're almost done, but this guy is taking a nap here. Now, what logical, smart human being would take a nap 20 minutes from the top, 15 minutes from the top, even a half hour from the top. You would just keep going. And in that moment, my friends, is when the mental game really came into play for me because I'm like, if this dude is asleep right here, that means I probably got a couple hours left of this and my body has fucking nothing left in the tank. And I mean absolutely nothing, you guys. And every turn, it's like it just goes up and up and over and over and up and up. And you're like, when is this gonna end? And long story short, that took me probably, yeah, about another hour and 45 minutes when I saw my homie sleeping on the side there um, for me actually getting to the top. And uh, you really have some gut check moments along the way um, of what's possible and what your body can do. And kind of our theme from the weekend we took from uh, 
Theo Vaughn, if you guys aren't familiar, his podcast is like this one big comedic podcast. It's actually pretty amazing. But he has this video um, he does. It's called Challenge Yourself. And he has an eye patch on. And people, he's like, why do you have an eye patch? He's like, because everybody out there with their two eyes, everybody can see perfect. I'm trying to see out of one eye. I'm trying to challenge myself. He's like, glue your arm to your side. Tie your leg behind your back. Challenge yourself. Now, it's a joke, obviously. But that became kind of our theme of the weekend. Like, challenge yourself. You know, they'd be like, you don't have an iPod? I'm like, I don't need an iPod. I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to do this without it. I'm like, I can't even bend my leg. I'm going to hike the Grand Canyon. Challenge yourself. So if you guys get where I'm going with this. And, uh... Once I made it to the top, I started to think back and realize, I'm like, holy shit, I wanted to quit, you know, five or six times in the last probably three hours, basically on just fatigue and my leg being just like completely super tight and tensed up and cramping like crazy. Um, and some of it just happens, you guys. There's no amount of training you can do. I do mobility every single day. I stretch every day. I lift every day. But sometimes just because of your body imbalances or how you step or how you move or whatever it may be. You know, some things are going to get to you. And it, it could be as simple as a, a blister on your foot that got so big and so blown up, it, it hinders you from doing, you know, the most basic stuff. But sometimes it's that one Achilles heel that drags you down. But And I gutted through it for sure. But I thought to myself as I'm finishing on the south side, I'm like, wow. I'm like, there's no scenario where you could have came to me the morning of, right? So this is 2 o'clock in the morning we finish on, on, Saturday, on Sunday morning at 2 a.m. On Saturday when I woke up, or I'll put it this way, at Saturday when I'm at breakfast at 11 o'clock in the morning at 12 o'clock and we're sitting there and I'm having coffee and I can barely, you know, I hobbled there. I hobbled 200 yards. I could barely move. My leg was so stiff and so tight and I'm sitting there. There's no scenario you could have told me before Brent told me about the weather that I would have thought, hey, I'm going to hike the Grand Canyon today and I'm going to get done at 2 o'clock in the morning. No scenario where I would have believed that. And the point of me sharing that is if we, if you believe something, and you're willing to push yourself and you have some mental fortitude and you can be strong internally, like inside your head, you can force your body to do damn near fucking anything. I believe that. It's probably the biggest takeaway of all this. Yeah, it's a mental battle for sure. Yeah, it's a strength battle. It's an endurance battle. It's a battle of nutrition. It's a battle of you staying hydrated. But more than anything else, it's a battle of you guys mentally wanting to do something. When you don't think your body can physically fucking do it, but yet you do it, right? And the example I give somebody is this, like, I wouldn't think it's even possible for me, like if, if my leg had felt like that, there's no way I would have came into the gym and done a 30 minute workout of squatting and lunging or even doing anything. But yet, when forced with the, you know, the choice of either taking a shuttle back for six hours with a bunch of random people or hiking it with the people you came with, even though I couldn't bend my leg, my choice was to hike the Grand Canyon regardless of the pain it felt and how uncomfortable it was because I wanted to get it done. And... The point of me sharing that is not to make me sound like a badass or amazing or anything, but it's, you guys are possible, you know, there's so much more you guys can get done if you really believe in yourself. You don't know the, your own possibility to do something unless you really put your mind to it and you really get motivated and you're really driven by it. And I guess that's the biggest thing of me saying that is we oftentimes doubt ourselves in our marriage, uh, in our job. Uh, you know, in your career search, in your education, in your physical fitness for sure, uh, I'd never be able to do that. I know myself, but do you know yourself? When you're forced with the choice of, you know, how do you take the islands, as Tony Robbins would say, he's like, you burn the boats. Like, if the airplane's on fire and you're scared of skydiving, you're either going to go down with the plane burning or you're going to pull the fucking chute and you're going to jump out. When you only have the option to keep going forward and keep moving forward, more often than not, us as humans, we survive. And we actually thrive from it. We become a bigger, stronger, faster version of ourselves because of that. You know, if you're drowning in the ocean and the boat drives away from you, it's not like you're just going to 
let it go in 15 seconds, you're gonna tread water, you're gonna do everything you possibly can to stay alive. That's us as humans, it's our survival mechanism. It's what we do. Like, we're built for this shit. And I think a lot of times we become conditioned through you know our life or school or experiences or people that we can't do something because we don't have the skill or we're not strong enough or we're not mentally you know equipped to do it. But I can promise you guys, you're capable of a lot more than you think you are because even for me, as strong as I am mentally and physically for that matter, um, four days ago I thought there's no way I could even be able to hike the Grand Canyon at all and ended up doing it faster than almost anybody we were with in the entire group and I could hardly move my leg. And I was completely exhausted and tired, but I got it done. And I think that's probably the biggest takeaway is if you put your mind to something and you really give yourself no other choice and you're just willing to, you know, work super fucking hard, um, work smart as well, and be patient and be diligent with it and just take, you know, literally one step at a time, you can make some pretty amazing shit happen. And that's, you know, I'm living proof of it, you know, not just this past weekend, but for, you know, probably 150 times throughout my life. Um, literally just, you know, one small step at a time. And when you guys are on a fat loss journey, you're on a journey to pay down your debt, you're on a journey on your education or or climbing the corporate ladder in your career, or you're starting a new business. It's literally just taking one small step at a time. And, uh, as cliche as it sounds, that's, that's how I got out of the Grand Canyon, um, on one, one good leg and, uh, literally no energy and feeling just completely almost delirious and, and defeated and fatigued and, and really just humbled by the whole experience. Um, just taking one small step, move my two sticks, one small step, move my two sticks, one small step, and eventually I got there. And I got dope-ass pictures and a great story to share with you guys for it because of it. And again, I take that experience as, I'll, I'll never forget the feeling of it. Uh, do I want to do it again right now? Fuck no. Uh, <laughs> I'm cool just hanging out here. But those experiences, they can bury you guys or they can plant you and you can grow from them. And I think that's what most people do and that's definitely what I plan to do moving forward and uh, funny enough, as we're getting dropped off on the North Rim um, to go, uh, Brent was like, you know, we asked him you know, why he does it. He's done it so many times. He's like, well, I do it, you know, sometimes to, every time it's a little bit of a different challenge, something different to challenge myself, you know, something unique, something different. He's like, but I figure if I can do this, I can do any workout at Jeremy Scott Fitness. And we all had a chuckle and a laugh because it's funny. But he goes in the same note, if I can do this, I can do anything at work. Because this is a test of, you know, your body physically uh, and mentally of what you're made of. And you can either let it, you know, make you or you can let it break you. And uh, it's truly impressive that he's gone through this entire process uh, multiple times and done it. And that's kind of the takeaway is that you can let these things, you know, you know break your body down and, uh, and, and ruin you, uh, and, you know, discourage you from doing anything further. And you can quit on yourself or you guys literally can just put in the work. Um, and keep your body moving forward and you can do something that you've never done before or something that you never thought was possible and it can change you. And I think that's anything like on a fat loss journey specifically um, or if you guys are going to you know, run a 5K or run a half marathon or do a sprint try or a triathlon or something like this, um, do it to prove it to yourself and don't do it for anybody else, just do it for you. And if you do that and you stack up enough of those little wins and you do these amazing things and these amazing feats, all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, I'm a fitness person. I'm a healthy person, I'm a strong person, I'm a determined person, I'm strong physically, I'm strong mentally. And if you can do things like this, it translates into the real world if you can pull from the experiences and remind yourself of how badass and how gangster you truly are. And you can just keep it moving forward and you can do multiple amazing things in your life. And again, like I said, on Saturday you know, at noon, there's no way I thought I would be able to do it. And all of a sudden I did it. And uh, maybe not the fastest I've ever done, I could ever do it. And maybe not the easiest or the funnest, but 
Um, I learned something about myself along the way, and I think you guys can take that uh, with you as well. So again, if you guys are ever looking to do something like this endurance-wise, I think the biggest key is physically have your body ready. You know, be be prepared uh, for all the elements. Uh, be foam rolling. Uh, be doing mobility. Be doing strength training. Be doing aerobic work. Have your nutrition on point. Make sure you have enough quality food in your body as you're feeding it. And honestly, you guys, I probably burn, I think when you look at the Whoop app, probably seven, eight, nine thousand calories each day. So you're probably getting close to burning about 20,000 calories in two days, which is fucking crazy. And uh, I'll share this with you too. I, I ate more carbohydrates in those two days than I have probably eaten in you know, the past 10 days alone. And I, and I woke up on Sunday, like probably you know, one of the most shredded that I've been in a, in a long time, which is insane to think. But I remember we drove back, and Jeff drove back. I appreciate him for that. We drove back. I got here Sunday morning in Scottsdale about 5.30 in the morning. Stop by the gym here, use the bathroom quick, and then head back to my house, and I'm starving. Like, my body is, again, I'll say this. If you think your body is sore as shit once you get done hiking, get done hiking and then sit in a car for three hours as you drive back to Scottsdale. Me getting out of the car in his driveway, like a 97-year-old dude. Like, I needed almost like a fucking walker. I could barely bend over. It was miserable. Because your body is seizing up and it's being so stiff and so tight. And you're dehydrated no matter how much water and fluids you drink. So I get out of the car in this driveway. I can barely walk. Um, get in my car. We're heading back home. And I'm like, I'm starving right now. And my body hurts so bad I don't want to walk in the grocery store. I don't want to move. I don't want to do anything. And so I drop my wife off real quick. I'm, like, I'm going to get a ton of water and some Powerades and some food. I'll be right back. And I couldn't think of anything else to do or where else to go. And you guys, I haven't not been to McDonald's, you guys, in 11 years. I have not been to McDonald's and ate anything from McDonald's in 11 years. And on Sunday morning at 6 a.m., I pulled into the McDonald's drive-thru and I ordered two sausage and egg McMuffins and a hash brown for my wife and I to share. And I got home, I sat down, I'm pounding a Gatorade Zero and I'm pounding a water and I take a bite of this McDonald's sausage and egg McMuffin and I'm not fucking shitting you guys, the most amazing thing I've ever eaten in my life. Like, I don't know if it's, I don't know if they're really that good. And they're really cheap, like two bucks, by the way. But like, I don't know what they put in those things or if it's just because, and I asked myself, man, I'm starving. Like, I don't know why I'm so hungry. I'm like, oh, bro, you haven't eaten in like seven hours. Because I, I started to feel not super well in the Grand Canyon towards the end of it. So I stopped eating. I didn't eat anything on the way home. Because I'm like, you're kind of exhausted and you have the kind of like that sick, nauseous feelings. So I didn't eat anything. And I'm like, remember when I got home and I took a bite of this thing on our kitchen table and I'm like, these are amazing. These are like the greatest food I've ever eaten in my life. Now, I think it's probably just because of the state my body was in and how exhausted and run down and depleted it was. But man, um, that was a pretty epic McDonald's sausage and egg McMuffin. And respect to you guys, McDonald's, uh, for doing that. And uh, that's my story, you guys. That's, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. My right leg is actually still super stiff and super tight. I've been rolling my feet a lot. I've been front rolling my calves a ton. I've been doing the Tim Tam on it. I have my Normatech boots on. It is getting significantly better, but I literally couldn't even go full like flexion extension. I really couldn't, even now, full extension is kind of bothering me. But uh, it's just overuse and basic fatigue of the muscles being super tight and seizing up. And so the takeaway is mobility matters. Doing soft tissue work matters. If you're with a coach or a program and they don't believe in soft tissue work or foam rolling, get the fuck get the fuck out of there and get a different program because that stuff is real and it works. And soft tissue work and mobility work matters. Um, taking things for inflammation, like ibuprofen, eating non-inflammatory foods, athletic greens, taking the CBD beam and the balm helped me a ton, especially at night, uh, and the tincture just to recover and relax the body. Um, I would suggest that as well for you guys. So again, the biggest key is eating quality, you know, nutrient-dense foods that are going to help you. Uh, you know, post-workout, eat McDonald's if you want. I don't really care. If you hike the Grand Canyon in two days, um, you guys can do whatever you want.
I give you a pass for that one. Um, but the point is, is that you have to really take care of yourself and you have to really prepare for it. And all those things kind of come into play. And it's a test of your wills. It really is all across the board. And I think when you guys do things like this, um, and I'm not saying you have to start with something this drastic and this extreme, but you do learn a lot about yourself. And I'm very grateful to, to Brent and his wife um, and to Jeff and Emily and to Heather for the experience. I do appreciate it. Um, I sure as hell wouldn't do stuff like that by myself. And I think that's the takeaway for you guys is like when you have you know, a coach and a group and a community of people who are willing to you know, lift you up and walk you through something or maybe sometimes even to push you in to do something that you maybe not want to do, um, it might sometimes be okay for you to give in and see for yourself. And I'm, I tell people, to, I'm always down to try something once. I might never do it again, but I'm always down to try something one time to experience it. And, and who knows from there? I kind of play it by ear and, and see what I want to do, but I can't knock something until I try it. And that's why I don't, I don't coach through you guys. I, I coach application. I'm a practitioner. So I'm not going to tell you about, you know, endurance hiking or hiking the Grand Canyon or doing something that I've never done myself. I feel like it's, you know, I'd be a phony and a fake if I did that. Now I can read about it. I can watch videos on it. I can ask people about it. But until I lived it myself, I can't really speak on it. So I don't talk about parenting. I'm not going to tell you how to raise your fucking kids. I don't have any. I can tell you about being a kid. I can tell you about being a, a brother uh, and a son. I can tell you about being a husband. I can tell you about being a business owner. I can tell you about being an, an ex-college athlete. I can tell you about being an old, you know, middle-aged athlete <laughs> at this point. I can tell you about, you know, hiking the Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim and certain things. And so I believe that in life, the more experiences we gather, we learn from it, uh, we can apply it to different areas of our life and it can change who we are and what we do. Um, we can help others with that information. That's kind of the, uh, you know, the point of the podcast, if you will. So hopefully that uh, shed some light on you guys. I would recommend doing rim to rim to rim to anybody who um, is looking to, to really challenge, challenge yourself, to really challenge themselves uh, and do something different and push themselves to a different limit and learn something about themselves and have a great fucking experience uh, just to see a part of the world that very few people have ever seen. Very few people hike the Grand Canyon, you guys, um, to that scale. Um, and do both, you know, rim to rim to rim and all the way back. And very few people see the north rim. They, they Just the south rim is what they do. So I, I would say, you guys, it's well worth it. Um, it'll change you. It's a great experience. And not to mention, like, it, it's a bucket list item, man. You're going to have pictures and videos and things that, that most people will never see. And it's you earn it. You really do because it's impressive. And uh, you can't fake it. You can't buy it. You know, no one's going to drop you off there and do it. You have to actually earn it and be there and to experience it like anything else. It's like you can read about standing in the 16th chapel and you can see videos, but until you stand there and you hear them saying, silencio, silencio, and you're looking up um, and you can see you know, the beautiful ceiling, um, that's when it becomes real. And the Grand Canyon is, is a very similar uh, comparison to that. Like you don't really know, you know what you're into until you're into it. And uh, that's kind of the beauty of it. So hopefully that helps you guys. Any questions on this or anything else, please hit me up, let me know. I just want to share my experience. Hopefully you guys... Uh, enjoyed it and hopefully an audio it made as much sense uh, as it did as I'm reliving it in my brain and I can't say it enough you know things like that you know fatigue and uh, it, fatigue does humble us all and, and it really does and it, it shows you you know what you're made of and who you are and I think as we become adults we do become too comfortable in certain areas of life we don't push ourselves in the right ways in the right areas and I think if you do it correctly in something that brings you joy and value it does change who you are and the way that you live your life and how grateful you are in the way that you see it. And I think a lot of people can, you can gain a lot of things from challenging the physical body and changing, challenging yourself mentally. And because for most of us, we're not professional athletes. Um, even those of us who were athletes, it's over for us now. And we don't have as many of the challenges like that for the physical body as we once used to. 
And I think when you stop doing things like this and you stop challenging yourself, you'll lose it and it goes away and you forget how strong and how powerful and how capable you are of doing really amazing fucking things with your body and your mind. And uh, I don't want you guys to ever lose that and, and forget about it because you do have the power to do that. When people start believing they're too old or they're too slow or they don't have it, it becomes reality, you know, because perception is reality. And when you think that of yourself, that's who you are. But if you think of yourself as strong and powerful and uh, capable of doing amazing shit, that's the person you are as well. So take that for what it's worth, you guys. Any other questions or things you want to hear on this hike or the podcast in general, hit me up, let me know. If you guys are really interested in doing it, um, Brent's wife, she's a doctor, um, and she sent like this nine-page, really detailed breakdown of it. And she's, she wrote it. It's written like a doctor slash mom, which she is. And uh, it'll kind of scare the shit out of you when you read it, but it was very helpful, and, and I appreciate her for that because without that, we probably would have made a couple of mistakes. We wouldn't really know what we're prepared for. Not that you do until you're really in it. It's like anything. You don't really know how hard something is until you do it, but that was very helpful for us to get some perspective. And so if you guys are really interested in doing it, um, I'll shoot that over to you because they're the experts. Um, we're just you know very lucky and humbled to, to be along for the ride that they helped us get through it because if we had to do it on our own, man, oh, it would have been a really shitty miserable experience and, and way harder than it had to be and not in a, in a, in a positive way, uh, I mind you. So if you guys are in iTunes right now, stop. Don't be a lazy ass. Please drop me a five star and leave a comment. I truly would appreciate it. And if you dig this podcast at all and we have ever added any value to your life, please share with your friends and family. Truly, it does mean the world to me. And uh, I got a bunch of new episodes coming on the pipe here later on. But again, if you guys are looking to do something endurance-wise, again, the final takeaways... Be prepared physically, strength-wise, endurance-wise. Understand proper mobility and soft tissue work because that can alleviate a lot of stress and pressure on the body, and it can allow you to do so much more, so much quicker if you can't actively recover right. Same thing with the supplementation for me. Pounding athletic greens and taking the Beam CBD was key for me, honestly, to get through this. And then eating proper nutrition, quality proteins, carbohydrates, fats, taking all my normal you know, chia seeds and things like that along with it, and staying super hydrated uh, was ideal. And then mentally knowing that you know you have no other choice. You did it to yourself. You know you walked your ass down in the canyon, you gotta walk your ass back up there. And if you mentally believe in yourself, you guys, I think you can do anything when you wrap everything up like that in one package. So until next time, you guys, eat well, train hard, be nice to people, and please just keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.